Hi, my name is Forrest. And I'm Zach. And we are the last of the 80s kids. I was born in November of 1989. And I was born in December of 1989. And we wanted to get together and talk about pop culture through a lens of a little bit of nostalgia and a little bit of love for the new stuff that's still coming out. Uh, yep, and we just wanted to give a context uh, for people who are uh, coming to this movie podcast so that they know uh, kind of where, you know, we've been movie fans all of our entire lives. We've been watching movies since, uh, you know, we were born in the early 90s, you know, when we could actually remember the movies all the way up to now. So just to give you a little bit of context of how we're always kind of coming at these movies from. Yeah, and it's pretty exciting stuff because there's a lot of new movies always coming out. So today we're... Looking at a couple of different movies, um, they, they both have dragons in them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm curious, Zach, what's uh, one of your favorite dragon fantasy stories? I mean, uh, when you uh, talk about dragons, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, Dragonheart with uh, Dennis Quaid and Sean Connery. Uh, that's a 90s movie that I loved growing up. Uh, Love the dragon that also had David Thewlis in there. Um, that was where I first saw him, and um, that's a movie I loved as a kid, still love it today, and uh, in fact I have a, a little, uh, The Knight's Code right above my wall, it was a gift from my mother. That, that's amazing. Uh, she loved that movie as well. So yeah, what about you? Yeah, um, you know, that's a good one to bring up, I love Dennis Quaid in that, and uh, Sean Connery. Uh, the thing that comes to mind is Reign of Fire, not necessarily because mm. it's the best, but because yep. it has the most, I think, eye-popping dragons. Yep. That I had seen up to that point in my life. But yeah, I'm very fond of Dragonheart. I actually just read the the novelization that was written by the screenwriter um, where he, he tried to emphasize the Butch Cassidy and Sundance well, that's vibe cool. that he talked about in interviews. And then that was pretty fun. But yeah, the dragons are always fun. You got your hobbits, you got your um, dragons and Harry Potter and a bunch of other stuff, so... I'm interested in what you thought of Dragon Slayer, the movie we watched yesterday. Yeah, so um, really funny about this is uh, we've been talking about uh, doing this podcast for a while, and we've been talking about doing a movie, you know, which movie from the 80s or something that we haven't, you know, we both haven't seen, and we came, uh, we uh, heard about Dragon Slayer. A lot of the people who worked on Star Wars, Industrial Light and Magic worked on that. It was recently in the Industrial Light and Magic documentary on Disney+. Plus. If you've uh, watched that, they highly, um, the guys there who worked on this movie, really regarded it as a big special effect um, vehicle. And uh, it was one of those movies they'd never seen. So we decided that we wanted to watch it. And we watched it, as Forrest said last night. And then I did some digging um, before we did this podcast, of course, you know, doing some homework. And uh, they just released it in 4K on a beautiful steel book. So um, that's uh, really good timing. Yeah, you got to love those steel books. Those can just be the sexiest release you can possibly get for a movie. Absolutely. Um, so, but anyway, that's a little bit of the. Uh, let's start off, Forrest. Uh, uh, what year uh, and what is the Dragon Slayer about? What would you say? Uh, yeah, I think it, it came out in 1981, yep. I want to say. Yep. Yeah, and that's right in the in the midst of this sort of fantasy wave of films, like Legend and Willow, and yep, you got Dragon Slayer there in the mix, and it seems to be kind of the odd man out, like those other two are the more notable ones, but uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, in particular, I, I really like the lighting of this movie. Yes. And, and just its sense of place. Like, it really felt like a real world and not a sound stage or a film studio. Which, to be honest, the legend always felt like it was filmed on a studio yes. backlot. No, I, and I was going to say, uh, we, uh, Forrest and I, we really haven't talked about this today. Um, we were kind of waiting for our thoughts for the podcast. And um, I absolutely agree. Um, I love Dragon Slayer. I thought it was uh, fantastic and... As Forrest said, um, growing up, I heard growing, you know, until Lord of the Rings, people said, oh yeah, the 80s was a time when they tried to do fantasy and none of them were really good, is kind of the, you know, the um, average person's kind of thing. And I was like, oh really? And then over the years, I've watched some of them, and I've enjoyed some of them here and there, but everyone's like, oh, there wasn't like one really good fantasy movie. And I have to say, from start to finish, I think The Dragon Slayer is that movie. 
I think that if you're going to look at all the 80s films, at all the ones, um, and we're not talking like rated R, Excalibur, fantasy movie, which also I love, but we're talking Legend, Willow, um, this, uh, you know, things like that. I think this was um, um, very good. And like you said, it consistently had a tone, it consistently looked the same, and that was something that I wrote down as well, was that um, sometimes in the other films you go, this is a beautiful set piece, they spent a lot of money, and then this is a set where they just made it look brown because it's muddy and here's some trolls or something. Um, something like, even though I do love Never Ending Story, but you know what I'm saying. They have that kind of, um, and it's like, it's like very beautiful and then really mucky, and that's part of the charm, but this one was consistent all the way through. Yeah, and I actually really appreciate that you brought up Neverending Story because that comes to mind as uh, probably my favorite '80s fantasy film and one of my favorite children's Great. fantasy Wolf films. Wolfgang Peterson, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's just a stunning movie. Uh, that's kind of my dark crystal. Yes, uh, if yeah. I had to point to a movie from sure. the '80s that yeah. just exactly, and, with I, and me. I like that too. And and honestly, I have to say is that looking back now, um, as somebody you know who didn't wasn't you know, we were just alive, like we said at the beginning, towards the end of the 80s. But uh, now, looking back at some of these films, I think that what some of them set out to do, they did really well. Like, um, people say that Legend isn't a great fantasy movie, but it is a very simple bedtime fairy tale, and Ridley Scott wanted to do that. And it wasn't trying to push the boundaries, it wasn't trying to do something new. It was He was trying to make the quintessential all-around bedtime, once upon a time, there was a man kind of story. And um, same, like, never-ending story had the book, and Wolfgang Peterson killed that. But this is a completely original concept, kind of like Willow. And um, I think that they did a really good job on, on, on all of it. Yeah, I think so, too. I think this movie has a really good sense of when to explore the characters and the world and when to lean into the visual effect shots. It's yes. very heavily loaded with scenes of the dragon in the last 30, 40 minutes of the movie. Yep. And it really takes a lot of time building suspense, uh, giving you an idea about the world that the, these characters live in. You know, there's like a lottery where um, people are experiencing the choice of who's going to be sacrificed to this dragon. And there's a group of pilgrims that have come to see the, the magister or the magister as the main character calls him at one point. And Um, yeah. Well, and I got to say, that's one of the other things. Um, Let's just start off with like, what's something you notice right off the the bat when you start this movie? Like you said, you talked about the sets, the way it looks. And then I got to say the acting. Because for me, I thought that, um, the actor playing the um, wizard uh, mm-hmm. was fantastic. I uh, know that the you know the young um, hero you know hero is uh, uh, Peter McNichol from uh, Ghostbusters Two and uh, Ali McBeal, right? That's uh, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, so I really enjoyed him, but I really enjoyed um, Ulrich, uh, played by uh, Ralph Richardson. He. Um, I've seen him before in some other older movies, but out of all the um, wizards that I've seen in some of these older 80s films, I think that uh, he had the right amount of, like, you know, that Ben Kenobi kind of charm, and and I definitely got some of that Star Wars feel off of this movie, and knowing that some of the people who worked on Star Wars, and not in a bad way, I'm just saying that, like, um, the wizened old man, and this is a really good wizened old man, it doesn't feel... Um, underbaked or underwritten, he's having a good time with it. He's more playful than like a Ben Kenobi or something like that. Uh, more fun, you know. He's kind of having more fun with it. But they're both great performances, and and that was something that stood out instantly. I'm like, I like this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he is really likable. And the funny thing is this this magister there, this magister. Yeah. He um he's got an assistant named Hodge. And eventually this assistant is interacting with Peter McNichol a bunch and they're having all these conversations about what a young upstart he is and all this other stuff. And I couldn't help but notice this Sidney Bromley is this actor's name 
that plays Hodge, and he is the little old man yeah. in the never-ending story. Oh, okay. He's the the yeah, little yeah, yeah. old man that meets up with him right before he walks between the two Egyptian idols that shoot lasers. That's right, man. And, it's it's um, been a while. I love that movie, but yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. And this Sydney Bromley died in 1987, and it's just amazing to me that... You know, yep. this character actor at the end of his career yep. is in two foundational 80s fantasy Absolutely. films. Well, and, and this is kind of going to the heart of what you and I have been talking about these many months and honestly years talking about this podcast is, um, you know, there's something special about these people back in the 80s. You know, so this was shot in 1980 if it came out in 81. Um, and these guys and, you know, and the women and the men and everybody, the... You know, everybody involved, the caterers, everybody went to go make this piece of art. And, you know, it's up to you if you like it or not, but it's still here uh, almost 50, you know, it's like 50 years later almost. And uh, that's a pretty cool thing. And like you said, this Shakespeare, some of these really awesome Shakespearean actors who um, you uh, uh, see now in some of these roles, you go, oh, I want to check some of the older movies with these um, guys in them. When I was looking at Wikipedia in there, imdb page you know just looking at some of these old movies for like you said the the wizard i was like oh yeah i've seen some of these before and i didn't realize he was in them and i'm gonna have to rewatch or find some of these new ones so uh i totally agree i i uh i love that that's he was he was great everyone in here i truly believed and that's another thing is that sometimes in these fantasy movies i feel like you see somebody in like somebody's playing it for laughs somebody's playing it real someone's playing it too serious and someone's playing it for jokes and is just there for a paycheck sometimes but but or but this one everyone felt consistent it felt real um and it was pretty dark actually for a disney movie i didn't it's for a disney movie i can't believe that that um you know some of what happened but anyway and that's one of the appeals of it though is how dark it is and that that goes into the set design that it's always foggy it's always rainy uh, I noticed that in a lot of spaces, rocks were always wet, and so they yep. reflected light off of them. Yep. And there's there's some really great lighting in this movie. There's some Very great good. sound design. Yes. You know, there's a lot of gravel crunching, and there's like yep. little drip drops when people are inside a cave. Yep. And one of the little things that I appreciated was some of the practical effects. Oh, totally. That you don't see anymore uh for example there's you know things moving around the wizard's workshop or the magister's workshop Uh, and uh lights turning on and off the egg the egg was my i really enjoyed that yeah he's making the egg float float above his hand as he walks and um i'm sure they did it probably with a high-powered um you know like blow dryer air dryer and like walked behind him or had some sort of but it looked so good because it was real and it wasn't cgi yeah that um you sit there and the first instinct you get uh my gut instinct is go wow that guy's floating an egg before it gets to my head and goes oh that's you know i'm sure some guy spent three days worrying about this practical yeah, effect like using magnets or strings or whatever. they use something yes, to, but to make this egg whatever float they in did, real life whatever they did it got me and i was like this is great and i thought that was a great way to show a character his character as well because he's always working he's trying to get better and um you know uh and he's you know just using that little egg and he's always trying to um make um the uh the two older men proud of him and i i I really like that instantly i got that from um his introduction yeah well, and there's some good in-camera effects. Uh, yeah. the, the magistrate right out of the gate is working on some kind of potion. And yeah. we get this cartoon fire coming out, you know, clearly drawn over the yes. film cells. Yeah. And that's just the kind of thing you only see in movies before computers really Absolutely. took over those small jobs, like giving us flames oh, coming yeah. out of a pot. Yep. Um, so uh, what else uh, stood out to us in this film? Like... Um, what are some of the scenes that really grabbed us? Because I have one that um, I really sat there and was watching the movie and went, okay, I know how this is going to go. This is pretty cool. And then it went a different way, and I went, okay, movie, I'm, I'm pretty happy. You know, I'm in. So I was just curious uh, what's, you know. Yeah, you know, I really enjoyed the balance between 
wanting to show us the dragon and wanting to do the fantastical stuff, but yes. then balancing that against also showing the people and how they behave and how this kind of decides whether or not they deserve to be tormented by this dragon. Yes. And that's something that I felt was very imbalanced in Dragonheart back in the day. Yeah. That it's it's very lopsided in that you hate the king, yeah. you think he's a monster, and yeah. you want Dennis Quaid like, and it's Sean a, Connery it's the dragon It's way more melodramatic than yeah. Dragon Slayer is. Yeah, there's some nuance yeah. in Dragon Slayer that uh, I really appreciate. And there's there's a really funny scene when they sacrifice the first virgin. Uh, she's like spitting on her wrists to try to slip her hands out of the handcuffs. And uh, this preacher who's reading all this scripture to, you know, condemn her to be eaten by this dragon... He gets afraid and he just shouts out, duly ordained, and then runs away like yep. as fast as he can. And that, that really killed me. It was too funny. Oh, yeah. Um, I was going to say, the, the first maiden is the scene that I loved. Because she um, cut herself and using her own blood, used it to um, get out of the chains. And then she's trying to escape and then the dragon still burns her alive. And that was uh, metal, dark, and I just enjoyed the storytelling of that because, uh, you know, you're sitting here thinking, oh, it's going to be um, a fairy tale and, you know, she's going to get out. And then, uh, oh, I'm sorry again, guys, this is going to be full spoilers for this um, movie. Um, this is our first episode, we're, we're, no, we're still learning, but anybody who hasn't seen Dragon Slayer and that might get upset about that, we got to talk about it because that was one of the other things I thought was pretty... Um, uh, forward thinking, and maybe people in the 80s didn't like it, but I loved the three female characters. There's actually more female characters in this movie than there are main characters of men, um, or about just as many, which I think is pretty cool. And we all know in the history of cinema that that can't be said all the time, but you have um, uh, all these different maidens, you have the main princess, you have the... Uh, innkeeper's daughter that's pretending to be a boy so she doesn't get into the lottery uh and and you just have all this going on and i loved that and it wasn't all just played for romance some of it was because why not there should be some romance in your fantasy but it didn't all have to be romance and they played that really well and i just enjoyed the um like i said it it, it wasn't bending the tropes or doing something super you know, I'm not trying to say that this is like the godfather of fantasy movies, but what they did, but it was like the first precursor for me, I thought, definitely to like a Lord of the Rings. When everyone's like Lord of the Rings was the first movie to ever make fantasy serious or, you know, whatever. Um, I agree that, you know, there's like never ending story, but then after watching Dragon Slayer last night, I felt like that was definitely a click towards Lord of the Rings because it takes itself seriously, but the characters are having fun, and it is a serious thing where people are dying, uh, but it is still fun and magic, and there's cool swords, and they know that, and there's great effects, and and I love that about that uh, about this movie. Yeah, well, and uh, the boyish uh, young person that that comes to the castle at the beginning of the movie, I re I really enjoyed this character, and when she's revealed to be a woman pretending to be a boy. To avoid the lottery, I, I really enjoyed that that entire twist. Uh, that that actress's name is Caitlin Clark. I ended up looking it up because yeah, I, I, I really admired her. It was, she was great because I, when I started watching the movie, I said, "Is this? She's pretending to be a boy. Is she a boy or is she a man?" And I loved that that I didn't, you know, that that's how they played it. Yeah, yeah, it it was really compelling stuff, and you know you can have fun drawing a little a little conspiracy line over to uh, Return of the King, where you have the I am no man yep. uh, reveal, and you know it, it was just fun. Yeah, and I I gotta say she made a very handsome young man. Yeah, no, and, and no, a beautiful woman like no, she works. she's beautiful either way. And that's what I'm saying is that is that is that I was like that is a beautiful handsome looking man. And then it's like, I'm a woman. I'm like, you're a really beautiful woman. So that's cool. Like, yeah, it's it great. Like tracks. Yeah. Um, I see. And, and, and I loved, um, uh, yeah, I definitely uh, loved that. And then I also loved the, I thought the princess was fantastic. Because how many times have we seen in a fantasy film, the king is terrible and all of his people are terrible. Cool. Yep. 
What's the princess? She isn't terrible in this movie, and I love that. I thought that was great. She actually has just as much of a um, open heart as um, Peter McNichol's character in this. Uh, he, um, uh, as Galen, um, he and her on that level, and that's what I loved, that there was like different aspects. His, his romance, his true love, was um, going to be a Valerian, but... Um, the other ladies that he encounters in his uh, in this movie, um, they have connections with, and I and I just love that, and um, especially the princess because I thought for sure it was going to be when they introduced her and him down in the dungeons, it was going to be the oh my my father's so great he never does anything wrong, and they start to do that, but then the scene takes a change and it turns into. Um, oh, he's been lying to you and all the... I love that. I thought that was great. And again, that's what I'm saying here is that the writing and the acting and all of this is what makes this film... Um, and I love the special effects. And I think that if you're a fan of special effects and you want to know some of the history, uh, this is really... It's a really great dragon. The fire and all the cool effects are there. But um, it's not what you remember leaving the movie. You remember the story, the characters... Um, you do love the dragon, though, but you know what I'm saying. If only the dragon worked and nothing else did, I don't think this would be a good movie. But I think everything works. Yeah. Well, and they're, like I've said, they're very sparing with the dragon. Yes. And one of the things that I enjoyed was the first thing we see of the dragon is some of its scales that are that are yep. brought by the Caitlin Clark character to the Magister to ask for help. And yep. then we get to see... Uh, parts of it we get to see like its tail and its feet yep. but we never see the dragon fully in the frame no you know, kind of like roland emmerich's godzilla we only Pretty see much. the foot yep. we only see yep. the tail and, and i love that yeah. and i love that because yes and as a godzilla kaiju fan myself um i love that they did that and then oh can we talk about the one scene with um ian mcdermott Oh, yeah, yeah. I love um, that scene. That scene, because I saw him, his name came up on the credits, and um, I think I remember seeing an interview where he talked about this, about him being in Dragon Slayer, but uh, when he showed up, it was just amazing to hear the Emperor, and then to see what happened to him, I just thought it was uh, it was pretty, pretty metal. For oh, me. yeah, it, it was fantastic. And you have this, um, it's not very big thematically, but it is there. You have the the Christians who are praying to get rid of this dragon and to condemn it as the devil, which Ian McDermott's character does. And then you have the people who are like the pagans who yep. take a more old school approach towards the dragon. Like, well, we're just going to give the dragon somebody every, you know, couple months on the solstice or whatever. We'll sacrifice a virgin. <laughs> so that that was interesting. And my favorite thing, I'm glad you brought that up, and they used this framing twice. Uh, Ian McDermott, as this religious figure, is praying, 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 to, telling the demon to cast away or whatever. And the dragon is rising up behind him, and you see the ears of the dragon, the yep. horn of the dragon, and they're actually framed so that they almost make him look like a devil, make yes, Ian McDermott was... look like a devil. And so uh, that was just really fun framing, and it was used again later in the movie as well. Yeah, and and then let's let's shout out right now the director. Uh, this is going to be uh, Matthew Robbins. I thought that his um, directing on this um, was um, was was really great. Yeah, and he's one of those interesting guys. I mean, we both looked at his wiki, and I found it interesting that uh, you have this big connection to Guillermo del Toro because yes. Guillermo has said that he really respects the dragon design and that he thinks it's like one of the best designs he's ever seen. And yep. it, you can see that he truly does admire this guy because he's used him to story write or yep. write stories yep. uh, for many years, all the way up to Pinocchio, which just won an Oscar. Yep. And, um, and also looking over his, um, his uh, background, his filmography, um, and we may have to do this for another show, but uh, if you guys have not seen Batteries Not Included, um, he directed that as well. Fantastic film. Oh, yeah. D produced by Spielberg. It's a beautiful movie. Uh, it, I gotta also shout out Batteries Not Included uh, was written by the same team of people that went on to make the first four Tremors films. 
Uh, okay. It's a very yeah, yeah, tight yeah. group of people, a producer and a couple writers. And uh, I'm very fond of them, and I, I haven't really enjoyed Tremors as much as I did when they were in the, the driver's seat. Sure. But anyway. No, but anyway, but yeah. Yeah. Um, let's go back to this. But yeah, so Matthew Robbins, um, his directing in this was uh, really uh, was really good on that. I thought that was very good. Um, yeah, you know, the, uh, the really cool moment for me was when stuff like... Uh, human error really entered into the equation. So you had Ian McDermott trying to pray the dragon away. Yep. And uh, then you also had our main character. And oh, the yeah. first time he tries to banish the dragon, he just causes a landslide. And there's this really funny moment where his spell isn't really working and he just yells out no after he's been speaking (laughs) a bunch of latin and that really made me laugh because i thought he would have said no in latin um, because he was so worked up and then yeah the villagers are burning the dragon in effigy uh a little too prematurely yep that i thought that was funny oh and i gotta shout out uh one guy in particular and that's uh Tyrion. Who, yes. who I, I have to wonder if George R. R. Martin didn't get that name from this movie. Yeah, I, I thought, when I heard it too, I was, yes, he, it's spelled different, but it is, when I heard, and that that actor too, um, John uh, uh, Hollum, if I'm reading that correctly, mm-hmm. um, said uh, uh, he was great. He was a great villain. Like, it was like um, Alan Rickman from uh, Robin Hood in the 90s kind of mm-hmm. like that good I really enjoyed him he, he chewed up a lot of a lot of scenery you yes. know and he he was pretty fun the whole time he did it yes so um let's see uh we also have another movie to talk about so let's talk about the the ending and like kind of what we're getting to what do you think happened there at the end what what did that mean to you again full spoilers but we were talking about this a little bit this morning um well, you know what do you think happened there you know, I think that there was a lot of uh, spiritual stuff about yeah. the way the Magister uh, made space for his apprentice to access um, his his power yep. as, a, as a future magician. Exactly. I, I gotta say, his character moved at a very brisk pace as far as his development. Yes. Um, it reminded me a little bit of Jesse Eisenberg, the way that he carried himself. Oh, okay. And yep. uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I did feel like, you know, it was his debut film, apparently, and I do think it kind of shows. Yeah. Uh, Peter McNichol, he, he does his damnedest, but um, he I feel like he... He lacks a certain amount of charisma, and that, yeah. that might be on purpose, sure. you know, for his character. Sure. But um, I do feel like he, he lacked a little bit of charisma that his character maybe was meant to have no, I get as he saying. developed. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying, yeah. Um, well, and so I I definitely kind of got the um, that kind of ending vibe, too, uh, where... The master comes back at the last uh, moment to uh, help the young master with the last thing uh, when they put the ashes into the water. Um, and for me, I felt like that was him extinguishing the fire um, water that helped keep the the dragon alive. I got, I just got that sense that you know that that uh, the water and the fire was helping the dragon live. And then when he did that, and he snuffed it all out, and when the dragon fell uh, back, he tried to uh, get it, um, you know, that's another way to help kill the dragon. That's kind of how I got it there at the end. And then it was kind of like, I bring up Star Wars again, excuse me, Obi-Wan Kenobi-like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, disappearing. Uh, actually, it was kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi-like, uh, when he's uh, doing the... Um, uh, uh, yeah, like you said, the disappearing thing, and, um, he has to, uh, uh, come back and show the young master, so, uh, but yeah, I, I really got that vibe, I love seeing him back, um, and, yeah, I don't know, I, I totally under, I'm trying to think of what you're saying about Peter, you know, um, I think I, I liked him more than Tom Cruise in Legend, though, you know yeah. what I mean, so, like, so like he did have a likability, but he did. But he's playing one of those, one of the hardest things to do in fantasy, which is the boy savior, 
Mm-hmm. You know, he's the he's the kid who's going to, you know, save the world if he only gets his magic. And that's a hard thing to do. Um, uh, and uh, speaking of, that's going to be in our next movie. Is there anything else we want to talk about, about um, Dragon Slayer? Uh, just a couple of other things. Okay. Um, the king has a couple great lines. He, yep. he asks our main great character... Stuff. Did you ever hear of King Gazarik? And he says, oh no, of course not. You weren't even born. And the way that he says it is just fantastic. Yes. And there's a crown in this movie that I think is just amazing. It, yes. it looks like a church on top of the, the king's head. Mm-hmm. And the king even says uh, that he does sacrifice, but only a few. And asks contemplatively, like, do you think that sounds cru- Do you think that sounds cruel? Uh, just some really good stuff. And the king at one point was looked like he was playing Jenga. He oh, had a yeah. stack of lead yep. plates, but it looked like him and his advisor that, were playing Jenga. That was fun, yeah. killed me. Um, and one last thing. This is a very yep. small gripe. But there's a village that the main people live in where all of our characters generally are at when they're not at the castle. And this group of mercenaries that Tyrion leads, they ride into town two or three times and they always ride through a pond. And it just cracks me up that this podunk peasant town doesn't have a bridge over this little river oh, yeah. in the center yeah. of their town. Uh, yeah. And it's just it just illustrates what uh what poor peasants that they are in yes. this world. And to sum up, I, I just think the movie was Harryhausen esque. Okay, and yep. mm-hmm. I loved that. Yes, the, the finale felt like a Harryhausen. It film. did. Yep. Yes, yeah. and but but um but done in the state of the art at the time, which was you know, and ILM what they did there was uh was I thought was really great. Um, some of it, you know, um, it, it, some of it looked really practical, and it looked like they were um really you know fighting with a dragon, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. All right. Um. Oh. And the last we also talked about. Um. There was really cool weapons in here. And again, that's mm. another thing. It's like the production design on this movie was great. Um. So. Uh, if you're if someone's listening to uh to us, would we recommend Dragon Slayer? Um. If they're looking for an '80s fun action um fantasy film, is this a yay or a nay for us? Yeah. This is a yay. Uh, uh, watch this before Legend. Is what I would tell. Somebody. I and I, and I would agree. I think that Legend is great for the um, the direction of Ridley Scott and the acting from Tim Curry, but if you're gonna do an you know watch an '80s um, fantasy film and you haven't seen one, um, I'm gonna start suggesting this one from here on out. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, uh, and uh, we also had the awesome pleasure. Uh, this is the opening weekend uh, for anybody listening in the future. For Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Honor, Honor Among, Among Thieves, thieves. <laughs> uh, which so this came out, uh, it came out on uh, March thirty first, uh, twenty twenty three, and so uh, we thought it'd be really fun to talk about a eighties fantasy movie and the state of the art um, Dungeons and Dragons film. Uh, so uh, we just came back a little bit uh, ago. From this, I remember that they did a Dungeons and Dragons movie in like 2000. Um, I remember renting it from Blockbuster, and uh, my mom really enjoyed the movie. No matter, even though it wasn't very good, she still really enjoyed the uh, the film. So that was, if it was ever on Sci-Fi or anything like that, she had it on. Um, and then I did not realize, but I recently heard an interview that they did two direct to um, DVD. Uh, sequels to that movie mm-hmm. and then for the past like however many years it's been in development um hell trying to get some new uh people uh, involved so they had the writers from spider-man homecoming and the director from uh game night uh the two directors who did game night so um what were your overall thoughts what going into this film your trailers what did you think what's your thing with D all that uh, yeah, I've played D&D off and on. I'm not super diehard. I don't have a dedicated character or a dedicated group that I meet up with, but I have been in groups. And Very cool, I yeah. felt like this movie at times really captured the vibe of playing D&D. And I think the scene on the stairs that's been in the trailer yeah. uh, was a fantastic example of this. Yeah. Where you have a character that's built to fight, 
and that was Michelle Rodriguez's character in the gotcha. film. Yeah. And she's just, you know, kicking butt all over the place. And Chris Pine, meanwhile, is saying, well, I'm going to rub my rope on the edge of the stair to cut it. Yes. And I can just in my head see him rolling a dice and getting a one. And yeah. the dungeon master tells them, you know, you continue to rub the rope, hoping that it will eventually <laughs> break. Yes. And it, very fun stuff. Definitely better than the... The 2001, although um, I'll be honest, I'm very fond of that movie. I grew up seeing that on cable, and yep. my my grandmother really liked that. And it's yep. kind of like Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. It's this movie from the late 90s, early 2000s era sure. that I know is bad, but I, no, I have I, a soft spot no, for it. No, I get it. I get it. And I mean, um, like I said, I haven't rewatched it in a long, long time, but my mom loved it. And it was always on. And so I've seen the movie more times than I could count. So it's just one of those. But um, I have not been a big player of uh, D&D. I've never been able to get a group together. Um, that sort of thing. I'm kind of, you know, been from afar kind of fans. Um, I, uh, if you didn't know, I co-owned a comic book store for over 10 years. And... We um, did carry Dungeons and Dragons at that time, so I did have to learn a little bit about it and learn some of the different, you know, um, versions and the modules and all that kind of stuff. So I have some, you know, some knowledge. So when you say that, you know, one character is a bard and one's a paladin, I understood what that meant. But um, I got some of the references in the movie, but uh, for the most part, I was going in pretty, um, you know, fresh. And. For me, when I saw the trailer, I was kind of, um, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody who goes skeptical. I'm usually somebody who goes in open mind and I want to see more and more and see, you know, what people are doing with something. Uh, because I kind of have this feeling about art that, you know, there's different things, you know. If you want pizza, you really want it to be cheesy. But you don't know, I don't know if you want a lot of cheese on your, um, you know, uh, I don't know, your burrito or something, you know, what, sure. whatever it is. So, um, so when they do it right, um, I, you know, uh, the first trailer for the Dungeons and Dragons came out and I went, that looks pretty fun. Um, I hope, you know, if it's a good fantasy movie with some good writing and some good acting, it should be good. And then people were like really angry about it and like, it's not Dungeons and Dragons. It's not real. It's not dark enough. And then since the past, I don't know, year or since that first trailer, the tides kind of shifted to where real D and D, you know, super fans and all the people who do it all the time are like, no, it's supposed to be quirky and fun. And as you see in the trailer, there's an owl bear and it's not game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people I think were kind of going in going, Oh, this should be a game of Thrones, uh, movie or game of Thrones, you know, type of thing. And it is not. And, and I, and I was looking forward to that. I wanted something to not be as, um, dark and as serious as a game of thrones but i didn't want it to be um just as um you know kind of like dragon slayer where there's just a very simple story i thought this was uh was very well done i was very surprised by dungeons and dragons i was hoping to go in there and come out going that was a b plus movie really enjoyed it but i think for me it was an a like it was really good yeah, it was really solid. I, I think the standout performance is Michelle Rodriguez. She steals the show, yeah. Yeah, you know, she's been she's been chilling in uh, supporting character territory for a long time. Long time. Um, I think Resident Evil is one of the only examples I oh, can think yep. of where she's on the, the poster and she's kind of regarded as a co-lead. Yep. But um, this is a movie where she really moves out of the the Fast and the Furious shadow that she's kind of been in for a few years. Um, and she totally makes the role her own. Uh, she's probably the character I was most emotionally invested in. Yeah. And uh, also the character that I thought was coolest. So uh, good all around on Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah. I'm very I, happy no, for her. No, uh, she stole the show. Um, I'm a big Chris Pine fan, so uh, I really loved him in Star Trek. I think that his, you know his performance in the... First Wonder Woman is fantastic. Uh, so I was, uh, you know, hearing that it was going to be a really a great fit for Chris Pine. Uh, I really look forward to that, too. And that relationship, that Chris Pine-Michelle Rodriguez relationship really works. And um, I think is the, the center and heart of the movie. And it really does work. And if that doesn't work, 
it's not going to matter when you get towards the end. And, um, and I really enjoyed that. I thought, uh, you know, uh, getting the group together was really great. I think that the backstory was, was great. Um, and it, and it made you, um, care about these characters and this story. And that is one of the biggest things that you got to do, no matter how much fun or cool special effects you have, there has to be a reason why you want to care. And I think that this did a really good, solid job of, um, giving us to, like I said, I was not expecting to cry by the end of Dungeons and Dragons, and I shed a little tear by the end of this. Yeah, it, it had a really good uh, emotional climax. Uh, for being a movie this uh, cartoonish at times and fun, yep. it was surprisingly melodramatic uh, in its last act, which yep. was cool. It, it balanced it. And I think it, it takes the right tone that a yes. D&D movie would need to be. Uh, it's it's a crowd pleaser, and yep. Chris Pine does a very very good job at being an, an likable lead. Yep. He, the dynamic that it really reminds me of is Strange Days, which is uh, one of Catherine Bigelow's movies. And in that movie, it was very deliberately decided that Angela Bassett would be uh, like the knight in shining armor okay, uh, yeah. to Rafe Fiennes' character, mm-hmm. who is played very much so as a damsel in distress. Like, he wears silk suits and stuff like yeah, that. Gotcha, and, yeah. And, you know, if this movie had been made in the year 2000, yeah. um, Chris Pine's character would have both been the toughest guy and the funniest guy yep. and the guy who can play a song. And yep. honestly, by the end of the movie, they probably would have had him do a spell. Yeah. Um, and yep. and exactly. he would have all the powers that yep. what really need to be distributed into a team, which they are. We got the shapeshifter, the magician guy. We yep. got the tough person. And then we have the bard yep. who uh, centers the audience. Yep. So really good stuff. Yes. And um, let's also talk about, uh, so we got, um, we had uh, this, I know this actor, he's uh, very famous right now because he's in Bridgerton. I have not watched that, but uh, uh, Roger Jean Page as Zanuck, um, he plays the paladin. Um, I thought he, he was going to be in the movie more, but I thought that where he was, um, how he was added and how he was used was really great. Uh, we have Justice Smith as uh, Simon. He's the uh, sorcerer who helps them out. And uh, Sophia Lillis uh, as Doric, who was the um, actress who was in uh, the first It movie. Oh. Um, she, yeah. But Beverly or Barbara or uh, something like that? It's, yeah, it's, oh my God. Of course you asked me. In my I think brains. it's a B name. Uh, Be- uh, Beverly Marsh. There it is, Beverly Marsh. Yep, Beverly yeah. Marsh. No, no relation to Stan Marsh. Exactly. Um. And then um, Hugh Grant, uh, again, um, I just kind of considered him the villain of the piece, but he's the rogue of the piece. Mm. Um, and he, that, so so everybody has a role just like in D&D. Hugh Grant is the rogue. Sophia Lillis is the, is the druid. Justice Smith is the sorcerer. And again, Owen, uh, Rige Jean Page is um, going to be the paladin, and we have Michelle Rodriguez as the barbarian, and Chris Pine as a bard. And I do like how they did that, but again, when you say that, that sounds pretty cliche, and that sounds pretty hollow. But the way they did it, they said, no, we're going to give you why these people are like this. Why is he a bard? Why is he a scoundrel? Why is she a barbarian? Um, even if it's funny, there's motivations for all these people. And I really like that. I thought that everybody had a motivation. Everyone had a backstory. Everyone had a reason and it tied in, um, to their arc. You know, um, Justice Smith, uh, didn't believe in himself that he could be the greatest wizard, but actually he's in the long line of great wizards. And then by the end, he is a great wizard. And, um, and I just really enjoyed, again, using all all that. And it's not just cardboard uh, cookie cutter um, characters that they used, which I really appreciated. No, they they make them fresh uh, for what they're in, which is you know a crowd pleasing time at the movies. Uh, I really appreciated some of the smaller characters, uh, particularly. I I won't spoil the context, but Bradley Cooper oh, has yep. a, a fantastic little cameo yes, in the movie. I love that too. Yep. Um, it's nice to see. Uh, little things that really make the movie special like that seeing a big star in a small role oh absolutely well yeah and then um i just really enjoyed the like i said the 
the world building, but also the character building. I liked the flashbacks. I like all the, the getting of the, you know, the group together. I loved the humor. I thought that that really worked. And um, I saw an interview where I think the director said that this movie isn't going to take itself too seriously, but it's not going to be a parody either. And that's, um, and that's, and I really like that too. It's, uh, it is not, um, you know, um, winking at you the entire time and telling you this is all a joke and nothing matters. But it is also just saying, hey, this is fun. There's owl bears, there's panthers, there's kitty people. Um, and uh, there's a, there's a fantastic joke with, um, a person called Jonathan. Um, I'll just leave you at that. Watch the film and when you see it, Chris Pine and Jonathan, um, is an amazing, uh, joke, which I really enjoyed. Um, and, and so, yeah, I was just really, again, I really thought that it was going to be the villain Hugh Grant just wanted money or power or something, but he... You know, he kind of had different, you know, um, objectives, but he didn't really. And, you know, and I just really enjoyed that. It it, it did every... The music was great. The um, performances were great. Uh, and, yeah, I don't know. They just... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing that I felt was, uh, I guess I would say, missing from this movie. Um, I feel like there was a... There was an opportunity to create a meta commentary on D and D and role playing. Mm. Uh, it makes me think of Jumanji, which I, I brought up on our way out of the theater, you know, the Jumanji reboot, yep. uh, where the people are sucked into the video game. Yep. And then there's things like Pleasantville, one of my favorite sure, movies, sure. because yep. you get sucked into a sitcom and it's a commentary on modern life. Yeah. And I felt like this could have been that, that there could have been, Rather than a trial where Chris Pine is explaining the story, yeah, uh, there could have been a, a bookend to the story that was more about a group of people playing D&D and okay. they get sucked into the story and they're playing these characters. I, I think that's risky. And, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say is that because when I saw the trailer, I said, I hope this is not another meta commentary movie where everyone knows they're playing a game. Because they're going to know more about it than I do, and so why should I care? Sure, sure. But I, I do think there's an opportunity there to show, like, people rolling dice, which is such a big part of D&D. You know, I walk over and pick up a beer, and you, you have sure. to roll, a like, what's called no, a no. dexterity yeah. check yeah, no, or whatever. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and so it would have been funny to have opportunities like that where Chris Pine says, you know... I, I walk over and grab a beer, and then you see, like, uh, some type of on-screen dice that, like, rolls no, a one, and yeah. then he trips and falls yeah. and hits well, his see, head. And, and, and know, what I thought like was that. clever, and what I liked about this movie, is that I felt like a lot of the times the characters were philosophically rolling the dice, and they would tell you that. Yeah. They said, I'm going to try and do this, and if it and like you said, I didn't realize... But when it goes perfectly, that's a 20, and if it doesn't go good, then that's something else. But instead of, like, pointing to that, that's just in there for you guys to know that. But for us people who don't, they're just kind of like, you know, oh, that's cool, it worked yeah. out, or whatever. Yeah, that's... yeah, and a good example would have been, like, there's a scene where they use a teleporter gun with, yes. a, with yep. a frame. Yep. Uh, it's literally a framing device. Yep. And yes, they yes. use it to uh, teleport, and, you know, in... A D and D session, you would say, sure. "Oh well, I connect my teleporter to the frame and wrap it in in paper." Sure. And then the dungeon master rolls a dice, and they would say, "Well, as the frame is put into the carriage, it falls face down, so you yeah. can't go through yep. it." Yep. You know, stuff yeah, exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 that's kind of and that's kind of what I thought was cool was that even though I know that um, even though I don't know a lot about um, D and D, I felt like this was a role session that somebody was doing and like that scene when you see the other um groups that are like basically filled out like them with a bard and with a a small you know with a small druid and all that stuff are the different people that was the meta commentary there is that you are one of those people dealing with your thing and we are on this journey our player our dm is these two directors and this right. character and the funny, cra and that's why I thought that, and if you look at that scene, Chris Pine and everyone looks part of the world, but the two other groups look like fantasy 
Um, that looked like the only time in the movie I thought that the two groups, when they're running around, they looked like um, uh, cosplayers. Mm-hmm. Is because those were cosplayers. Those are you. Those are the people doing the D&D game. And they're the ones that are... And we don't know what's happening. That's why they're taken out, and that's why all this shit's happening in the background. But we're following this one. And so and, and so the movie's inviting you to say, if you want to do this exact um, challenge with these people, and you can be this group, however millions of people who want to play can do this. Mm-hmm. And that's for me, was how they did the meta-commentary without having to do an entire film of, like, we know it's fake, we're sure. not doing it. And so that, so I love that. So that's how I think they did it all. They made it real, but yet funny. There was some meta-commentary, and yet um, it wasn't the entire movie. Because I felt like that scene, and again, I haven't played it, but when they're in the arena, it, you know, down to like, you know, here comes a panther, here comes this thing, pops this thing out, this oh, thing, yeah. this thing. And that, that scene felt a, a lot like the Hunger Games in yes, a lot of ways. Yes. And uh, yep. yeah, it was good. I mean, it's a it's an interesting little movie. Uh, I'm curious, what did you think of the, the dragon in this Dungeons and Dragons movie? Oh, um, I thought, I loved the dragon. I thought it was amazing. The fat dragon. Um, yeah. <laughs> he was, he was amazing. Um, and again, that kind of goes, but he was still terrifying and he could still kill people and they still had to deal with him as a threat, but he was still really kind of fun and goofy. And, um, what is something we have not seen before in a movie? And that is a fat dragon. And so again, that's, that's what I loved is that, is that it, it wasn't, it wasn't too, um, referential on itself. Like, like, I was afraid, even though I love Scream, I was afraid this was going to be a Dungeons and Dragons Scream. Sure. Where everyone sure. was going to go, the 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 goblet of blah, 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 yeah. you do this and the blah, you know, and they do a little bit of that, but you got it because that's the story, but I thought that was going to be every five seconds. Sure. And, and I was not looking forward to that, so, but 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 I love the dragon, I thought that that, that section was funny, um, I thought the design was really cool, it was um, hilarious that he was like a... Uh, roly poly cat that can't um, get up like on the desk. I I, I thought yeah. all that stuff was and great. I, I do think that's going to be a dividing line in audience reactions and fandoms and stuff. There there are going to be D and D fans who say <laughs> this is awesome because it feels a lot like playing D and D. Yeah. And there's also going to I imagine be people who complain that it wasn't meta, that it wasn't about people playing D and D. Um, but isn't there and, like four or five documentaries all about people playing D and D? Well, there are, and there's like the Critical Role uh, group. Exactly. That, uh, exactly. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that that's necessarily no, no, I'm just, my opinion. No, I'm just trying to. I'm I just, just think try- that uh, it's a it's an interesting thing when a movie that's this much of a crowd pleaser comes out. Yeah. Usually, some subsect of the fandom takes the lead and starts arguing for why it's a terrible movie sure. while another subsect of the fandom finds it fascinating and it actually connects them to D&D and makes them care about it more. Absolutely, um, yeah. No, so, I mean yeah. I mean I th- I mean for me this is the most fun I've ever had with anything D&D. And um, I really enjoyed it. And uh, well, there you go. I think that was the goal of the directors was to make D&D fun and approachable. Exactly. Yes, because and that was my big worry going into it, um, when I saw the trailers and when you're talking about it, is uh, if this is too much D&D, if this is too much in the inside baseball, um, that's going to really alienate people. But I think they did that right balance, you know, because, um, and I haven't watched any of the videos, but I've seen that there's tons of videos um, that are, you know, what you missed and what are all these background objects and you know and they do all their homework and stuff so so if you want to get geeky and you want to get super crazy you can but for someone like me um um and that's what that's one of the things that i thought was that really worked in this movie was by the end i cared about the characters i cared about the world and i want to see another one and i was just hoping before going into the movie that it was going to be a good time and i wouldn't want my two hours back and I got, let's do a trilogy, let's keep these characters, I want to see um, what happens, there's some loose ends at this, by the end of, uh, not big, and again, not big loose threads, not Marvel loose threads. Yeah, not, not starting a universe threads. No, but it's yeah. like, if we want to make a sequel, we can, but if not, then this is a standalone. But I want to see another one, so for me, it's a massive, um, massive um, 
uh, thing up. Yeah, it's got kind of a Knight's Tale vibes. Yes. Now that yes. I uh, think about it, it you does. Know? Yep. It's a it's a, it's a pretty good balance. Exactly. And if you like yeah. Knight's Tale, and if you like that, and I again, and and this is not a it's not a serious movie because I think that there are some fantasy fans out there that are going to want to go see this film, and it's not. Taken, it's not not taken seriously, but it also is not Game of Thrones. It is not the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings. It is not. Um, it is going to be uh, like like uh, Forrest said. It's going to be more like a Knight's Tale. It's going to be more kind of like a Galaxy Quest. Yeah, um, that's a good comparison as well, Galaxy Quest. But therein again, you you that can is see that is meta. you can see how the there's like that that impulse to there like is, there to is. have and, this movie be and, meta, and that's yeah. what and I think they did a harder thing keeping it in the world. And I was expecting, and this is one of the things that I really liked was by the end of the movie, I said, okay, so this movie has to end with a third. Uh, uh, act huge big battle Marvel style with 30 million people and there was a battle but it literally was between the characters that we cared about and the main villain it wasn't armies it wasn't a billion superpowers there were powers but they all had cost to them and that kind of storytelling I thought uh, went above and beyond what they needed to do it wasn't just a silly um, game movie. I really think they're trying to make a universe for the um, for people like me. But also, I I totally can see them s- selling a book that is the movie universe. And if you want to um, go after Forge, and if you want to go into the games, I bet you they're going to do something like that. And I bet oh, you yeah. that would be really fun to do. Oh yeah, they'll they'll probably come out with a tie-in campaign or something. Yeah, overall pretty good movie. I yeah. um I haven't seen a lot of movies starting off 2023. I've seen a few, but uh this is probably for me the the kickoff to the summer yep, season. Was, that's, yep, that's what I, that's what I told uh, my wife Erica. Yep, that's what I told her was uh um I said this felt like a great summer movie. I know they probably didn't want to put it right in the heart of summer because it is niche and not every, you know, little kid and every um, person in the world during summer vacation is going to want to go see this, but they, I think they picked a good time and the theater we went to was really full, which made me happy as a movie goer. Uh, some of the movies I've been to recently haven't been that way. So that made me very happy. And I think, like you said, this is a crowd pleaser, but again, when you hear that, some people say, Oh, so I could skip it. Um, you know, and, and I don't think it's really hard to do such a crowd pleaser at this scale and this level with everybody, um, you know, acting their parts, being part of the world, um, keeping the same tone, and it never faltering and being like, oh, this scene was terrible, oh, this acting, or this entire performance was terrible, or whatever. <coughs> Alright. So, yeah, one thing that, um, one thing that I wanted to ask, yeah. just as kind of a concluding thing, because, yeah. I mean, we wouldn't really compare these. No, um, but... I, yeah. I will say Dragon Slayer probably has the best title font. It's just it's, unbeatable. It's fantastic, yeah. um, and I love the cover <laughs> art to that VHS. Um, Forrest yeah. uh, has a actual VHS copy that um, he has part of his collection, and uh, it's really cool. It's yeah. very cool. It's got Perfect. a beautiful painting on yep. the on yep. the front of the the dragon, kind of shooting fire down, almost like a spotlight. Love that on yeah. our main characters. But yeah, um, I, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, what what do you think about current fantasy? Like just you know briefly, what do you think fantasy is in a good place uh, as far that, as movies go? I think the fantasy is going to. I think fantasy is in a better place now than it's ever been. Um, because it's one of those things where Lord of the Rings came out and it was a huge success, and people said that couldn't be done. And then when that was done, people said, okay, but that was a one in a lifetime thing. No one will ever do fantasy that well again. And then Game of Thrones came out, and that did fantasy, again, I think just as well. I love Game of Thrones, I love Lord of the Rings, both are huge fandoms, part of me, are, are part of my fandom. Uh, so, and then slowly but surely, um, whether you like them or not, and some of them have not been good, but over the past many years, there have been more shows, more movies, more fantasy out there. Now, some of them have not been hits, some of them have not um, carried on, but some have, and like Dungeons and Dragons, this one is a you know, technically a brand new property that um, only a, you know, um, small section, kind of like comic book movies were, comic book fans. And that's kind of where, I think we're now in a game renaissance. And I think we're going to continue in a science fiction fantasy um, 
um, renaissance again because uh, we did comic book movies for the last 20 years, and now we're looking for more of something similar. Well, science fiction and fantasy is where to go. And um, movies like Dungeons and Dragons, uh, the House of the Dragon that came out and showed that it was, you know, until Last of Us came out, was one of the hits. Um, Fantasy's here to stay. It's one of the best-selling uh, um, books in the uh, publishing world is fantasy. Uh, people love fantasy. I love fantasy, even though I consider myself a comic book sci-fi guy. Fantasy is definitely what I put probably number three. So, sure. Um, so I think it's in a great place. I think that um, they tried in the 80s with like Dragon Slayer and things like that, and it's really cool to compare the two. I really like that we did that today on this episode, but um, I think we're better off now than we were in the 80s. Yeah, I think that's that's well put. Yeah, there's. I think that the technology, much like with science fiction, the technology has Absolutely. really really caught up. You know, um, the the Game of Thrones people are a little bit spoiled with how much they're able to put dragons on the screen, yep. uh, compared to how much the uh, the team that made Dragon Slayer was able to. Exactly. Yeah, you know? that took them like years and total uh, practical computer every anything and everything they could imagine. And um, now they can do it in a computer with some CGI. But again, that does take time, and they have to figure out how to shoot it. But yeah, not not yeah. the same kind of thing. So yeah, um, and fantasy is kind of getting a, a little bit fractured, or it has been fractured because you know yes. you have a, a lot of vampire and a lot of witch stuff. Uh, you got there was Discovery of Witches, really good show. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I um, that's good. Yeah, there was uh, additionally Interview with a Vampire. So you got that kind of a uh, gothic romance fantasy that's pretty popular. Yep. Uh, but then additionally, you have the I guess you would call it world building fantasy, like Lord of the Rings and uh, uh, Dragon Slayer, epic fantasy. Yep. Sure. Yep. And uh, you know, there's. There's a lot of different ground that hasn't been explored. Absolutely. And like and The Green Knight. Uh, yes. That's the fantasy film that I would recommend above pretty much any um, other one. I also think The Northman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Northman, uh, uh, Robert Eggers' uh, movie that came out last year. Uh, it is based on the old Viking tale of uh, of what they Shakespeare based Hamlet off of. Yep. But it yeah. is but it is very fantasy, and I think it's a great. And again, and that's where we're in is that people can take those risks and they can make dark fantasy, silly fun fantasy, crowd pleasing fantasy. Um, well, and the Northman is based on a very old fantasy yep. text, and the Green Knight also yep, exactly. based on a very old fantasy text. So exactly, we've kind of come full circle from yes. the people that made Dragon Slayer trying to just kind of set out and make their own tale. Yep. And now that it seems like filmmakers have learned, like, no, we're gonna we're gonna ground this a little bit in exactly. what makes fantasy. It exactly. Fantasy. So yeah, and I think that um, the the success of Dungeons and Dragons will show that you don't have to do one tone. Because I do think that since the early 2000s, um, Lord of the Rings was serious. And then Game of Thrones was even a little bit more, you know, even more serious, mm -hmm. more rated R. And then people said, cool, the only way to make fantasy is to make it R. So, you know, where is it to go next? Rated X fantasy? And no, you don't need to sure. do that. You just need to, you can make rated R fantasy, you can make PG-13 fantasy, or you can make this crowd-pleasing Dungeons & Dragons movie. And um, I honestly think that, and I hope that we will get more movies like Dragon Slayer, because I think that Dragon Slayer would actually make for a fantastic remake in today's world. If you get an actor... Uh, like you said, uh, somebody else, you change up, um, Peter McNichol, you get the, um, you know, keep the dragon, uh, keep the story, but just kind of update it a little bit. And I think this would be, I think if more people go back and revisit this, um, this will become more of a hit. I think people will want this in their collections. And I think if this came out in today's world with today's special effects, Dragon Slayer would be a huge hit. I think the problem was it was in the eighties. And um, I think that the producers gave them a what an A production fantasy film was, and the public went, it's fantasy. Mm -hmm. And w what's that got to do with me? And that's different now. Then we go, okay, if it's good, let's cool. I don't care. Yeah. And that's the nice change between then and now. Yeah, and it's funny you would say that because I find myself pining for a Dragonheart remake, which I, oh, I love yeah. Dragonheart, but I, I feel that there's a, maybe a better movie 
hiding in the premise and the story sure. than um than came from Rob Cohen who yep. you know did his best um just like he did his best on Mummy 3. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. no. <laughs> you know, uh had mixed results, but For sure. yeah, this, is, this has been a blast. Um Yeah, no, I I fun think, movies. I think that uh I uh, personally for me, I personally think that I've watched two really great fantasy films. Uh, two fantasy films that I will put on um, lists of to watch. So if anybody ever asks me in the upcoming years, oh, I want some fantasy. Of course, Lord of the Rings is always number one. Uh, Dragon Slayer, this new Dungeons and Dragons movie. Um, these these couple films, these ca- past couple days here, um, have gone on my fantasy list, and I was not expecting that, and I'm very excited to say that both of them are on there. Yeah, and I would say Dragon Slayer, if you're a fan of Evil Dead, the original Evil Dead, you know, it's full of practical effects, it's got great lighting, it's got a great uh, simple story that just kind of gives you thrills and chills, and I think... This movie has a lot in common with that. There's a lot of in-camera effects. There's a lot of dark themes. Yep. And it's a, it's a rollicking good time. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Awesome. Well, um, thank, thank you, guys. You, yeah, no, thank you for uh, hanging out with us here. Uh, we are now going to uh, talk uh, about what our next episode is going to be, what our next movie is going to be. Uh, we're going to be um, getting ready to, uh, you know, uh, we're going to be doing bumpers. We're going to be doing commercials. We're also going to be doing some video in the future. So we got a ton of plans, everybody. So thank you for um, hanging out with us on this uh, first episode uh, for Dragon Slayer and Dungeons and Dragons. We're going to yep. be back again um, talking about some other awesome movies. And uh, yeah. And if you're interested in reading anything from me, uh, I can be found at millennialmilktoast.com. Excellent. Yep. And uh, if you are interested in finding anything about me, um, this podcast is going to be hosted up on the ZachAlafi.com website. But if you're listening to this from some other means uh, or in the future, uh, ZachAlafi.com is going to be the website. ZachAlafi Studios is the is the uh, company. Uh, and we're getting ready to do a ton of different um, podcasts. We're getting, uh, Forrest and I are going to be doing this podcast, looking at um, older movies, uh, different movies that we're going to be uh, looking through that we want to spot. Light. Uh, I have a uh, comic book show coming up where we're going to be doing commentaries, talking about comic book movies where you could sit and watch the entire thing with us. And then I also have uh, something I've been building and working on. It'll be the third podcast uh, about reading and what reading, writing, and words mean to people's lives um, and how that affects everybody uh, and in all different ways and how um, I, I've always wanted to kind of talk about that. Not everyone's reading experience is the same, but when you do love reading, um, no matter what profession, no matter what you do, that's a big thing. So again, we're going to be doing a lot of podcasts. Forrest will be around. Richie will be around. I will be around. Thank you very much for hanging out for the last of the 80s kids. Forrest, anything you want to say before we go? No. Have a good one. See you next time. All right. Bye-bye.